All right, everybody. Great to have all of you. Merry Christmas, as we like to say, around these parts. Thank you for coming. It's great to have you. You've uh, chosen to come on a, on a great night, a great opportunity for us to reflect and remember and worship and, of course, uh, glean from the Word of God. And so I have in my hand here, though, first, the ever-classic uh, Christmas present. Um, this is definitely not my wrapping. Uh, in fact, my wife neatly wrapped this. I was uh, renowned in high school for wrapping my presents in duct tape and electrical tape, though I didn't know what electrical tape did because um, I'm not handy at all. But anyone else just like you're just a crazy wrapper? Anyone else just want to like you just don't care? You put it in paper bags. Okay, three of you, good. Um, any of you just like, you, I mean, you literally take an hour for every, any present. Okay, some of you guys. Yeah, Lori Locke, of course you do. Um, but l- listen, do you remember what it was? The one present when you were a kid. Do you remember? Right? Okay. Yeah. For, for, for me, for me, the year, uh, I don't remember. But the toy I do, the Game Boy, right? You guys remember this? The, the ever classic one inch by one inch screen. Do you guys remember this? Where Mario was literally like half the size of my pinky fingernail. I mean, you know. But the Game Boy was it. I mean, if, if you could just get a Game Boy, I mean, every, like Christmas was amazing, you know, and Jesus was born and all that was even more glorious, right? Um, but l- let, me, let me ask you this. Uh, do you remember when you were a kid and that present was sitting in front of you? Do you remember what, what that feeling was like? Like eventually it kind of loses its luster a little bit, right? Like you don't see adults like just sitting there like Jojo the Idiot Circus Boy, right? Like I can't wait to open this. But kids... I mean, you put a gift in front of them, and there could be a tornado outside, and all they see is this little wrapped trinket of love. You see what I'm saying? A four- or five-year-old especially, it's like the gift is all that they know for that period of time. This is it. This for them, and those uh, few moments becomes their reality. I fear that a few things ever change. I fear that though it's not a gift, it becomes... um, Christmas for us. And you know what I'm talking about because you know the Christmas rhythm. You know what it feels like. You know what you're experiencing now, right? Family time is coming up, all of the meals, the setting, the schedule, who are you going to be with on whatever particular night. You guys know what that feels like and we can't make it all places and people are upset at us and just all the stuff that comes with Christmas. I fear that the most permanent and prominent feeling that is in us is that Christmas is just the reminder that the year's over. It's like all this build up to Christmas and then the family time and then it's December 26th. And then all we're doing is waiting for the new year to remind us that the next year is here. Listen, it's as if when Christmas comes, we're like the four or five year old boy with the present before them in tunnel vision No perspective, just all of our own stuff right here, right now. Let let me explain a little bit more. Put up my first uh, cute diagram here. Um, I hope this isn't depressing. Um, (laughs) It's pretty exciting, isn't it? A black screen, a couple white lines, and there's your life, right? Um, but, But when you pause for a moment... And you think about what consumes you. That's what consumes you, doesn't it? Because between, between those brackets, your, your birth and your death, 
are all of your joys, all of your struggles, all of your jobs, all of your pains, all your relationships, and they can so quickly become so all-consuming, can't they? And so that really, for each of us, is like our, it's like our four- or five-year-old present. It's our consumption. It's our focus. It's our vantage point. It's our perspective. There we are. The problem is, when we look at our life in terms of this graph, we're missing this overall perspective, this overall picture, because the reality is, next slide, is your little sliver of a life fits so minimally with God's eternal story that always was and that always will be and that all of a sudden His sovereign plan, you're born and you die. And just this little sliver, the scripture calls it a mist. But our perspective... Each year, and Christmas just escalates it, is here are my problems, here's my issues, here's my families, here's my joy. Christmas brings out our selfishness. And I'm not talking about the consumption of gifts. I'm talking about the perspective of your life. It's at Christmas time you look back over the year and you contemplate all the things that happened or didn't happen. It's Christmas time that your family interactions remind you at times of how broken of a family structure you live in. It's Christmas time that all the conversations can either be extremely awkward or extremely fruitful. It's Christmas time that we hummer in and focus in more than any other time of the year on our little measly life. Tonight, Christmas from a different perspective. Tonight, we step back. Not with blinding uh, binoculars on, but rather from a perspective of God's overall story. Are you with me, church? Tonight, a different perspective of Christmas. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, and we will make haste. Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to begin in verse uh, 13. Once you uh, find the page number in our pew Bible, can you shout it? 688 is the page number. Thank you, Monroe. Matthew chapter 2. Now, a little bit of a historical context here. And by the way, if you were expecting uh, me to teach a a very uh, common passage in the Christmas story, you came on the wrong night. Uh, So that said, let's let's do this. Herod the Great is the ruler. Um, He is uh, not a Jew, which is the interesting thing that he's ruling the Jews. I don't have time to go into all that history, except to say that he is a murderous, contemptuous, extremely horrible king that's not respected by any of the Jews especially. Herod the Great is in control and he catches wind that there is this king that's been born. Well, the problem arises because uh, you can't have multiple kings. And so when he hears that the king's been born and he hears that the wise men are going to be the magi are going to be headed that direction, what we learn is the whole wise men structure The purpose of the magi, of the wise men in the scripture, is to affirm kingship. That was their role in general. Is they would hear that a king was rising, and so their role in the scripture and historically was to go and affirm kingship. So that's why the wise men go. Now this creates the drama and the the story for what we're about to see happen here in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. A different perspective of Christmas. Now, when they had departed, behold... An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. They've had the baby Jesus. Baby Jesus is growing. And here's what, uh, here's what this angel says. Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. If things weren't already hard enough, you already birthed this son. 
in a virgin, in a cow trough, and now you're asking us to go to Egypt. Bethlehem to Egypt, quick math, 90 miles, okay? And that's just to the border, let alone inward Egypt. So we're not talking about an overnight stay in the Holiday Inn and then you're on your way. This is a long-term trip, and the angel says flee. Uh, the better um, uh, Greek um, rendition of flee is, is you better get out of here because danger is coming, right? And, and so here's what happens next. The angel says, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Does anyone else find it interesting that in the very f- first few days of Jesus' life, there are already people that want to kill him? That at the very beginning of his life, there are already... Here's what I've learned about Jesus, is you have one of two reactions to him. One of two. You're either threatened by the Christ. You either see him as a threat to your lifestyle, to your uh, methodology, to your way of thinking, to your expansion of whatever, whatever it is that you think your life is about. You're either threatened by Jesus, or you see him as your only hope, your only possible chance. Those are really the two reactions. And Herod goes on the, this is a supposed king, and so we must search him and kill him. Uh, just a quick reminder, when Jesus goes back to his hometown, uh, we see in, in, in Luke very early in his ministry, he goes back to his hometown, and guess what his hometown wants to do? He begins preaching, his first day of preaching, guess what they want to do? Kill him, right? So Jesus has just, he's, he's rubbing people the wrong way, apparently, uh, to some. Now, look what happens here. Verse 14, and he rose and took the child, Joseph, he just, he just goes for it, took the child and his mother by night, and departed to Egypt. That's not to say that they made it over one night. It's just to say that they got, they got to skip, you know, they, they moved. They, 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 prog- they, they progressed, rather, overnight. Verse 15. And they remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill when the Lord had spoken to the prophet, out of the Egypt, I called my son. Now, verse 16, I really want you to gain some perspective here. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he became furious And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Now, uh, if you grew up in Sunday school, this isn't the the glorified picture of the the baby Jesus' story, okay? Uh, Joseph and Mary and Jesus head to Egypt and then the children left behind two and under that our boys are slaughtered. But that's the case. Herod, looking at the threat of this other king, does one of the most devastating things that anyone can ever do. Kill innocent children. And it's at, the, it's, it's at this point where we say, well, well, where is God at this point? What is happening? Why are children being killed? Because of the Christ, apparently. The answer to that question lies in the story of God. Go back to my uh, previous slide. If we just see this Christmas story with these little blinders on, then it feels like every year we should just gather like this as the church, sing a few carols, make each other feel good, the kids ring some bells, everyone wears red and green, and we all go home happy, ready to meet with our family. That's the rhythm that we feel like we're in. But that's not the rhythm of the scripture. Listen, when I was growing up, and this is just in general in the church, there's so much focus on this is the day that Jesus is born. You, you're like, what, 
Well, yeah, because it is. <laughs> Touche, right? Like, it is the day that we celebrate Christ's birth. This is the, this is the moment. But there's so much focus. Christ's birth, Christ's birth, Christ's birth. And we'll even do things like, we'll, we'll say, it's, we're going to have a what kind of party? Happy birthday party for Jesus, right? Everyone brings the birthday shirts. We bring the presents for Jesus. And we celebrate. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying what we ingrain in our mind is that at this moment in history, Jesus is born. The problem is that's not the case. The problem is when my mind started being open to the scriptures, that Jesus was in the beginning, I had to be re-indoctrinated with the truth of the scripture. Because I grew up thinking, Jesus is given to the Virgin Mary, Jesus is born, here's Jesus. The problem is, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning, God. The word there is Elohim, Father, Son, Spirit. The word is plural. Jesus is in the beginning. Jesus isn't an afterthought. He is the plan. And now, all of a sudden, you start to pan out of this story about Herod killing children because he's trying to go after Christ. And in that moment, What it does is it escalates the whole meaning of Christmas. Now, I don't just mean Jesus is the reason for the season. Great bumper sticker. Good and it's true. What I'm talking about is God's story. The plan from the beginning. And though you feel like in times your life feels so critical and important, the plan from the very beginning is Jesus. It's Christ. He's present, he's there, and then all of a sudden, in one moment of history, to fulfill over 300 prophecies, the Christ is born. To what end? For what purpose? If he always was, and we say, yes, he was born to die, ultimately sent to the earth to die on the cross, but also... He's sent to this earth, and it's God saying, here. Now, what do I mean? Put up my a previous slide. We in our existence. It's everything is us. You drive yourself, don't you? Like you wake up in the morning in the mirror, and whatever you see, good or bad, and I'm not talking about physicality, your emotions, all, the, all your successes, your failures, those are the things that ultimately, like, they just sink into you. They cause you to be joyful or cause you to struggle. Our perspective is our life. We have the blinders on so much that when we just step back for a moment and see this greater story of God, all of a sudden the perspective changes. God sends Jesus, who always was, who didn't just show up one day, Always was, pre-existed, always the plan of redemption. Jesus shows up so God could be like, here. You don't have to look at two tablets of law anymore and find yourselves not measuring up. Because that's what the reality was in the Old Testament. Here's two tablets of law to the Israelites and all their history is, we can't do that. Yes, of course, you can't. That's why I need to send Jesus. But not just that. That you could see God in the flesh. I wish when I was six, seven, eight years old, the church would have been teaching me about the incarnation of Christ. 
that Christ doesn't just show up on the scene. That he always was. And what God does in Jesus at Christmas is he tells the world, here. Here's what I am. Watch him now. You don't have to watch yourself anymore. You don't have to look in the mirror and be reminded of how you don't measure up. You get to watch Jesus and be reminded of how much I love. Listen. I know it's so easy to look in this text and you get burdened by Herod killing these children and this whole perspective and it just like causes blinders. But listen, if we just step back for a second, if you just step back from your existence, from your reality, from your joys, from your struggles, and you just pull back, what are you enamored with? This story of God to send his son and then his son comes And the whole story has one consistent message. He lives. The whole message of the scriptures is Jesus lives. Herod can't kill him, you see. Herod can't. Kills every other boy in Bethlehem, but he can't kill Jesus. He lives. Satan thinks he's one at the cross, but he lives. He lives is the message, not just in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the message of the scriptures. From the eternal beginning and the eternal end, the message of Christmas is Jesus lives. And you're like, well, that's the message of Easter. Yes! Why are we so driven by our calendar? Christmas, Good Friday, Easter. Christmas, Good Friday, Memorial Day, Easter. Like, why are we so... That didn't work. But why are we so driven by that? Listen, if we just step back and we see the message of the scriptures, he lives. He lives. Herod can't. He can't. We see the purpose of Christmas. And that's to show us we serve a God who really is. Not a God that we talk about to make ourselves feel better. Not a God that we can just create in our minds to give us a better feeling about our eternal security. We serve a God who's living, who's alive. This Christmas, let me ask you, what if as all your family is sitting there around and everyone's talking, what if for a moment you took off those selfish blinders and whatever it is for you, may not be a present. It could just be your job, your financial, the rest, your relational chaos. What if you just pulled back and like the sounds of the room became this like distant noise and all of a sudden you were caught up not in this selfish moment but you were caught up in God's story that in that very moment you get the blessing and the privilege of celebrating the incarnate Christ that God sends to say, look at yourself no more. Look at my son forevermore. What if this Christmas that happened? No more distraction. No more selfishness. What if this Christmas became Easter? What if all day long you just said he lives? Now, it's one thing for us to say that 
And then it's a whole nother thing for us to sit back from that perspective and see the truth of it. Check this out. 